I think it is interesting, I think it is strange in how people, we like to break things into compartments. As we view our life, as we consider our life, instead of a holistic view, I think it's a strange thing that we like to put things, again, in compartments. There's this box, and we like it neat, and we like it tied together. Then there's this box, our religious life will go in that box, our, our family life will go over here in this box, our, our financial life, our fun, our entertainment, they'll also be in separate boxes. And for some reason, we like to structure our life like that. Even with our time, we like to break it into segments. We like to think about it in segments. There's the time when we were kids, then after that, there's a time when we were teenagers, and then we're young adults, then we're middle-aged, and on and on it goes. And we like to, to break our life up into segments. I watch, and I think that that impacts how we view Scripture. In fact, I'm sure of it. We, we try and view and apply God's Word uh, to our time segments. Now, before you think I've gone crazy tonight and wonder what I'm even talking about, let me explain that to you tonight. There are some people that think this book, God's Word, pertains to a future time and a future goal when we get to heaven. And so God's Word, this book, is viewed and it's applied with the future of heaven in mind. There's folks that hold that view. It's all about getting saved now, checking that off, and then some future time when we are in the presence of Christ in heaven. Now, there are other folks, and they think that this book, God's Word, pertains to life now. And it tells us how to have blessings now, how to have every day be Friday now, and how to have the riches of God in this day, at this time now. And you watch, there's people, and they apply Scripture according to those two camps. They survey our lives according to those two camps. Well, the truth is, those are our distinctions. God wants us to have peace. He doesn't give us a time segment. God wants us, think about it, to have joy. But he doesn't give us a time segment. He wants us to have fellowship with him. It's not in some later date, some time segment. Understand this book, God's Word, is about life with him eternal. Now, that means starting right now and moving into eternity. And now, we look forward to a day there's going to be no sin, no consequence of sin. But this is telling us this is the best way to live with him. So, what do we do? We take God's wisdom and we apply it where we are at. And all those words to say this, this is what it looks like to live in the wisdom of God. He wants us to have peace, not only at some later day, but he wants us to have peace now. This is what it looks like to live in the wisdom of God. And what do we do? We apply it where we're at. And so whatever segment you find yourself, you apply it where you're at. Whatever station of life you find yourself, you take God's wisdom and you apply it where you're at. Well, that's the process we're in. All right, we're going to jump back in. We left off in verse 16 
Proverbs chapter 21, picking back up tonight in verse 17. God's Word says this, He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. Now the word there in the original language in Hebrew for love means attracted to, seeks, wants, desires, loves. Well, the verse is telling us if your goal, if your objective is pleasure right now, and that's, that's how you prioritize things, that is what you're seeking, pleasure right now, the Bible says you will become poor. You will be poor. Now, it's the idea of instant gratification. It is the inability to work, to earn, to secure, to push toward a goal. That's what it's talking about. The inability to push for a goal, to work toward a goal. The verse says that a person that their goal is to consume the things of life, the best things of life, the extravagant things of life, right now that person will never be rich. Now there's two things at play in this verse. The first we see in the verse is the desire for the path of least resistance. Now what that means is I, the, the human goal, the, the fleshly goal is to do the easiest thing. Whatever's easiest, we want to do that. That's the measure. Well, what are we going to do? Well, how hard is that? And how easy is that thing? And the goal is to avoid in the immediate context whatever is costly, whatever is hard to us. Now, let me give you some examples. You can work, or you know what? You can take a nap. What's the easiest thing right now? What's the best thing right now? What feels the best right now? You can go and you can work. It's hot. It's windy. Or you can take a nap. You can do the extra things. You can get there early. You can stay a little bit late. You can do the extra things. Or you know what? You can knock off early. You know what? You can drag in late. You can mess around while you're there. The world says, the culture says, and our flesh says, take the path of least resistance. And that's what it's saying. You know what? I'm not going to work. I'm not going to endure. I've got to take the easy route. Now, the other thing in play here is the idea of contentment, the idea of being satisfied, satiated, satisfied, and content. You know what? It's the understanding that more is not always better. I might have to do without. To have this later, to have great things later, may require a sacrifice now. And you know what? I'm content in that. And you know what? Maybe this isn't the place I want to end up living. Maybe these aren't the things I want to end up doing. Maybe my hope and my dreams that it won't always be like this. But you know what? I am content to understand this is where we're at right now. The later gain may require the sacrifice now. There has to be contentment in that. Listen to verse 17 now. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. All right, verse 18, moving on. The wicked 
is a ransom for the righteous, and the treacherous is in the place of the upright. Now, that's a complex verse. That's a, that's a tough verse to understand. Let me go slow and read it again. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous, and the treacherous is in the place of the upright. Now, it's not talking about salvation. What it's talking about is this. Those who do wrong will pay the consequences of doing wrong. Those who do right will escape those consequences. Now, we've been studying the wise thing, uh, the righteous thing. We've been, understand, we've been studying the, the thing of folly. Well, there are penalties for acting in folly. There's penalties for rejecting God's word. There's, there are penalties for moving in stupidity, for unwise living. And those penalties are paid by the foolish. Those penalties are paid by the wrongdoer. You break God's law, you spurn his wisdom, you do what you want to do. There's a penalty for that, and you will pay that penalty. Those that neglect God's wisdom will pay. And the flip side, those that adhere to God's wisdom, they're going to escape that penalty. God says if you handle your finances in this way, he's going to bless that. That's his system. He says in your marriage relationship, it's going to be structured in this way. He'll bless that. That's his wisdom. Those that adhere to his plan are going to be blessed and escape punishment. Again, not talking about salvation. Verse 19. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. We've had a version of this before. The most literal translation is it's better to live in a wilderness, not necessarily a desert, but a wilderness, than with an, here's the, the, best, def, the best translation, than with an angry or contentious wife. Now, we know what angry means, just upset, mad. Contentious means this is a person that brings contention. If there's not problem, a problem, they'll start a problem. They bring strife. They stir up issues. They make problems. They pick fights. Now, here's the wisdom of this. I read this verse. When we studied it before, I read this verse. I, if you read that and you're already married to that person, it's just going to be tough. And I'll just tell you, good luck with that. But here's the wisdom of the verse. Hear this if, if, if this applies to you. Remember this morning when it says a hot-headed person, a contentious person, do not associate with that person? Well, let me tell you something. If you're dating or choosing a spouse, either sex, avoid this person. That's pretty good advice. You know what? Don't associate with them. Well, for sure, don't marry them. Avoid that person. Verse 20. I always wait for somebody to say amen when I read that. Nobody ever does. Verse 20, there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Verse 20 here goes back to the attitude, to the mindset, and to the reward of a wise person, a person that operates according to godly wisdom. 
Here's what it says. Here's what it's telling us here. They are considerate. This person that is wise, that operates with godly wisdom, they are considerate of what they have. They are considerate, thoughtful of what it costs. They are careful with their things. They've worked for them. And in their house are the good things because they've been wise and it's paid off. The opposite is a person that they got something and they ate it. You know what? I got paid and we went and we spent the whole thing in one meal. They got $100 and they spent 110 They're not considering life. They're not planning their life. They're just consuming as fast as they can consume. I was thinking about this the other day. I happened to go by one of the schools and they're turning in their stuff at the end of the year. And I guess they get passed out a laptop and all the stuff that goes with it. And when you come, they, they tell you the strap, the charger, the pack, the something, the something. And there's a price list, $41, $12, $13. And there's this kid sitting there, and they say, this doesn't have it. This lost it. This can't find it. This doesn't remember it. And I remember thinking, just two days ago, so I still remember it. <laughs> they're not paying for any of this. Their mom's going to pay for this. They don't care about that. You might as well have said $1,000. They're not buying any of that stuff. $42, check. $22, check. $8 for a strap, check. They, it's not their problem. They're not going to suffer for the things. A wise person, they are considering the value of their things. They're careful with their things. The opposite, again, they're just consuming things. Let me tell you something. Isn't that our day? Isn't that the day we live in? I found this statistic. In our day, 2022, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, what that means by definition is if they missed the next paycheck, they'd be in big trouble. You know what? The paycheck comes, and we've got our food for for 14 days. we got enough maybe to pay the rent for 14 days. We're going to be all right for 14 days. But if I miss that paycheck, things are going to come undone. We're going to start to go without. We're going to get behind on the rent. We're not going to make the car payment. We're going to start to run out of groceries. 64% 64% of Americans live in paycheck to paycheck. High 80% of folks, if they mix the next paycheck, they'd be done. There's a 64%, they can make it one. 80% can't make it two paychecks. We're told not to consume and consume and consume and to spend We're told to be thoughtful of the things we have, to be considerate in our dealings with our stuff. We're told to save. Now I want you to think about that. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that God tells us about that? And I'm thinking about that. Is it weird that God cares about that? Save. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says, save. Why didn't he just say, go to heaven? That's all he really worries about, isn't it? Just go to heaven. Why worry about saving, about consuming? Why worry about working? Here's the reason why. God wants you, us, to have peace. So you know what? He talks about how to go to heaven. There's faith 
that saves us in Jesus Christ. He talks about the problem of mankind. He talks about sin. But he also tells us about saving and consuming and working because he wants us to have peace in life. Not some segment, not some later day. He also wants us to have joy in life, not just in heaven. Do you see why compartmentalization will not work? You see why it doesn't work to say, oh, well, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to settle that, but I don't care about what he says in any other area. We apply God's wisdom where we are at. Where are we at? Paying bills, living in houses, driving cars, buying gas, eating groceries. We apply God's wisdom where we are at to all areas, and the result of that, peace and joy, contentment. All right, verse 21. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. That's an interesting list. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty, two things, they find three things, life, righteousness, and honor. Now the word for pursues in the original language means goes after, chases. The goal is to attain that thing. You're pursuing something, you're chasing something. Now here's what it says. The one that pursues, that chases, righteousness. Righteousness is defined as honesty, rightness, rightness, doing the right thing. Virtue, moral virtue, justice. The person that seeks moral virtue, honesty, justice, righteousness, and loyalty. Now, the word loyalty, I think, gets a twist when it comes into the English language. It's a word that translates out of the original kindness, goodness, listen, of benefit to others. Now, see why these two things are, are put together. It's not just the character of goodness. That's the first word. This is now the carrying out of goodness. And so the person that seeks the character of goodness is also going to have to seek the carrying out of goodness. Here's the truth. Goodness is always known in expression. You can think somebody's good, but you can't know they're good until it's shown. Goodness is always shown in action. Goodness is always shown in expression. God is good. You know how we know that? Because everything he always does is good. It is carried out in expression. Well, this person seeks, desires, and pursues virtuous character, but they also seek and desire to express it, to live it to carry it out. Now, before we move off of that and see the fruit of it, I want you to notice this. If you're pursuing that, if you're pursuing moral goodness and then moral goodness carried out, if that is your priority, if you're chasing that, I want you to think about some of the things you're not chasing. You're not chasing self-service. You're not chasing self-promotion. You're not chasing worldly success. It says, he who pursues 
Righteousness and loyalty finds, now here's the result of that. Here's the fruit of that. They find life, the opposite of death. They find life. They find righteousness, moral goodness, virtue. Now think about that. What they were seeking, they were seeking righteousness, the character of God. You know what? If you chase it, you'll find it. That's what they find. And then here's the third thing added to the list, honor. Not dishonor, not disgrace, not shame, but as they have chased moral virtue, as they've exhibited moral virtue, as they've been demonstrating goodness, they are known and honored as a good person. Let me read that verse again. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. All right, we're going to end right there tonight. We're going to shut down a little bit early, but we're going to do something fun tonight. Y'all are saying, oh boy. We're going to end. <laughs> I promise you, you'll be glad. Today is Peggy and Jim Strickland's 62nd wedding anniversary. She told me that this morning. Today would have been their 62nd wedding anniversary. 62 years ago, they were married on this day. Here's a crazy thing. They were married on a Sunday. They were married on a Sunday. Praise the Lord. Good job. What a great example. What a great demonstration. So here's, here's how we're going to end tonight. First thing, Carrie, if you'll, I'd like to give her some flowers. Second thing is this. When we get done here, wait till we're done, there's a cake in the foyer, and we want to eat that cake with you. And so there's a cake. When we're done, everybody go outside right here in the foyer. We're going to eat cake together. Third thing is this. Give Peggy a hug. When you walk out of here, give her a hug. Tell her good job. And tell her congratulations. Here's what I love about Jim and Peggy Strickland. And I thought we could, we could talk for a while, but I'm just going to tell you what I love. Here's what I love for all these years. And I just wrote down a few words. Consistency. In a world of herky-jerky here and there, consistency. Faithful. Faithful. Committed. Committed to each other. Committed to the Word of God. Committed to the church of Jesus Christ. Here's something else I like encouragement, encouragement. I don't, I don't know, for, for all the years that, that I was preaching, uh, Jim was on the search committee that hired me. And every Sunday morning, I would come out of my office, and he'd be out here, and he would always say this, I'm ready for a good one. I'm ready for a good one. I used to always say, well, I hope you get one this week. And then he always said this every week, wow, what a message. Wow, what a message. I know some of those couldn't have all been good, but he would say, wow. What a, what a message. Here's what I want to tell you. We've been going through God's word on Sunday night. When I see y'all, y'all are bearing the fruit of what we study. And, and, and Peggy, let me just tell you this. We thank God for you. 
And we praise God for your consistency and your faithfulness. We praise God for Jim. And so we just tell you this, congratulations, we love you. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. We're going to sing our closing song, and then we're going to go outside and eat a cake. I don't know why we don't end church that way every week. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. I agree. I agree. I agree. Amen. You should take it up. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and you're good. And you've shown us your goodness. You've shown us your kindness. And I could go around the room here and I could talk about another and another and another. And, and we, did, Lord, we see you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've given us your word as a guide, as a blessing, as your grace. And it's held true. And so, Lord, we come now. This, these are just, this is just one, one set of folks. But we see you in them. And we're thankful for that. And we see your grace and kindness shown to them, and we're thankful for that. And we see the blessing of you through them shown to us, and we're thankful for that. And so, Lord, I tell you, thank you and praise the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful that our brother Jim has not ceased to exist, but he's with you right now. And the Savior that he loved, the word that he listened to, he's met. And we're thankful for that. We look forward to a day very soon that we also will stand in your presence. But Lord, I pray in the meantime that we would receive your wisdom where we are at and that we would live according to your truth and we would walk in obedience to you and to your word and that it would shape us and that it would lead us and bless us and most of all, it would point a lost world to you. And so we end this Lord's Day by saying, Lord, we're thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for forgiveness. We're thankful for the word of God that has not failed, that holds true. And we're thankful for a promise that still stands today. Not only are you our king, you are coming again, coming soon king. And we praise you. We love you for that. Lord, I pray for the folks here tonight. Bless them. Encourage them. I pray, Lord, as we fellowship in just a second, that the, the hearts of us, of, of your people, would be pleasing and a blessing in your sight. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.